Hello, my name is April. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. April, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? My name is April, and I'm uh, a park ranger and Jim's wife, and I would like to plug unions. Hell yeah. If you can get into a union, you should get into a union. If you work at a workplace that doesn't have a union, you should think about organizing a union. Join a union. Yeah, I'm for it. Not for me, though. Yeah, yes. You should organize a union at your work. (laughs) I'm the one exception. I'm the one person in the world who doesn't need a union. All right, that's it. It's good to have you on. It's been uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I've been stressed. Yeah, I understand. But I'm happy to be on too. And Ryan, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? <laughs> uh, sure thing. I am a, a composer and sometimes sound designer for video games, and I have a game that I'm really excited about that's coming out soonish called Wizard with a Gun. If you check it out on YouTube, you can see the trailers that we have out currently that I'm really proud of the music for, and uh, I'm doing this whole like, kind of magical Western soundtrack for it that I'm pretty stoked about. But I got to be honest, feels kind of lame to talk about my own stuff now that April, <laughs> now that she did that unions thing that I totally agree with. I kind of feel like I probably should use my <laughs> plug on something altruistic, but it's too late. And all I did was talk about myself and I'm not a union. I haven't done anything organizational or or rights bequeathing to any any party on my own. That's not true. You write stuff on your Instagram about like that are like it's like mentoring young composers and stuff. I I I try. I thank you. Yeah, I, that is that is I think one reason to scope me out on Instagram at Ryan Ike Audio. If you are thinking about getting into the game industry or you just work in a creative field at all, it doesn't have to be games, it doesn't have to be audio because I sucks out here, man. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> and I'm trying to do what little bit I can to say smart stuff about things I know anything about, hopefully, to help people make it not make it suck less. Um, because it's great, but it's also hard. Uh, so yeah. thank you for that. Way to way to way to do the old Midwestern twist. And I'm I'm over here getting down on myself, and you're like, nope, stop it. And you just that was supreme parenting right there. You just redirected me into self-esteem. That was really impressive. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll just pat myself on the back for that. Yeah. Take the take the W. That's what this whole can can this episode's theme because you know how you always have themes? The show's known for it for having themes every episode. Can this one this... I didn't know the show show was known for that? Let's see. It's, it's renowned. It's it's the themes is the theme is topics. Oh, <laughs> the theme every episode so far has been topics. But can the theme this episode be just like in quotes, like take the W and the whole ep- the whole we every the whole episode, we should be looking for ways to just like every time we get a little win somewhere, just like revel in it, you know? Yeah. Ryan, do you have a bell? Do oh or a tuning fork? <laughs> I was like, what kind? Is this a rhetorical question? Um, <laughs> stupidly and unsatisfyingly, no. The closest thing I have is a harmonica, which is not close <laughs> at all. Yeah, but I bet you also have a, uh, a piano. I do. I do have a piano. I don't want a. I don't want a piano noise. I want a bell noise. Like I want like a high pitched ding whenever we succeed at something. Mm. I've got yeah. this thing. I can go. Yeah, that. Is that satisfying? Here, let's try it again right in the mic. It's got it's got a little something. It's something. I've got my water phone, but that's still not very bell-like, is it? I don't even hear it. Good. Because uh, it, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> so that tracks. We'll just have to say ding. Ding. And all of us. That's a terrible ding. I'll, I'll be in charge of dings. 
please somebody somebody who's willing to go up at least one octave from that preferably 20 um <laughs> whoa yeah <laughs> just high frequency enough to shatter glass yeah That's my best shatter glass the way our our w's this episode will shatter expectations see that's right that's right i, just, I, I brought it back Ding! <laughs> thank thank you see great start great start all of us so april your topic is you adopted one of the write-ins yeah bringing back the write-ins what what the topic is john asks puzzles slash puzzle games and challenges you find pleasant and brain expanding versus the ones you just cannot get your head around i thought this was a great topic uh especially because i couldn't get my head around any topics um so that's why i chose it and there are a lot of puzzles that I like, and there are a lot of puzzles that I don't like. The one that I couldn't get my head around, though, was like a few years ago, like five maybe years ago, there was this mobile game called How to Build. A- oh, it was a, it was a good snowman is hard to build. Oh, right, yeah, a good snowman is hard to build, and it was a, there's like a type of puzzle it's, that it's, that is. It's a it's it's a Sokoban like a Sokoban by Ellen Hazelden. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, everybody likes this game. I'm going to try it out. And I was like, fuck this game. Yeah, you probably wouldn't like any <laughs> Alan Hazelden joint. Yeah, actually. I was just like, this game sucks. Like, <laughs> and, and that's just because I was bad at it. Like, So it, the game probably is fine, but my brain does not like it. But I've recently been playing a puzzle. Uh, it's not exactly a puzzle game. It's actually a combat game, but it's kind of a puzzle because it's turn-based and um, it's called Into the Breach. Uh, it's on Ooh. mobile and it's basically like a game where you have a, a set number of squares and you have some mechs that have different abilities. And then there's some bad guys called the Vec, uh, V-E-K, and they um, spawn and they're like bug aliens and they move and then the game tells you where they're going to attack. And so then when it's your turn you get to attack them and some of the moves that you can do include like pushing them to a different square. So like if you push them to a different square, if they were going to attack one of your mechs, now they're suddenly going to attack whatever was next to that square. So that might be like something important or it might be one of their, you know, one of their fellow Vec. Um, So it's been a really fun, like kind of puzzle slash combat game that I have been enjoying quite a bit and then of course i'm playing the new zelda and there's lots of little puzzles in that and my absolute favorite puzzles in zelda are finding the koroks i'm really good at spotting koroks um jim is really terrible at spotting koroks i'll be like yeah i'm gonna go do a fun thing instead whereas i spot a korok and i'm like yes my life's work. I need to reach my friend. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Oh well, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna reach my friend. Koroks are definitely my least favorite. Like I definitely love finding like a korok that's like in a pond or at the top of a tree or like you know just in weird places. Um, yeah, I love those koroks. I like those too because they're so. I don't know how they design those. They've tapped into such a good like sense of like intuition on those like there there are some where it's like yeah okay this is obviously like a correct thing sure but there are so many where i'll just be walking through a thing i'm going somewhere else and my eyeball will just glance off the environment and be like something over here is almost perfect but not quite perfect and i'll like roll a rock into a per- into a ring you know that like i wouldn't have been yeah. paying attention but there's like one rock missing or something it's like they're never hard but they're just like so 
you almost you find a lot of them by making something in the environment more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like uh, I, those are my favorite ones. There's the, I don't know if there, there are any of these in Tears of the Kingdom, but in Bre- the original Breath of the Wild, at least, there were these puzzles where there would be three trees that were slightly different from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your job was to make them identical. And what I, what I recently found out is that one of the ways you can do that is just drop a bomb and blow all three of them up. <laughs> so there's, there's nothing left. You're all identical if you're all plasma. Yeah, it's just the trees. Three identical stumps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love a Korok puzzle. They're so good. I think Into the Breach is a good example, too, because it's a good expression of how... Um, and I I, too, I guess this doesn't work on me because I love a mech game that where you just control the mech you know, in real time and you're you're just blasting stuff. That's fun to me, too. I like a mech. But something like Into the Bridge can make a thing where it's like, you know, it may not be for everybody to play a mech combat game until you make it like this little intuitive puzzle where it's like, well, you know what the enemy's going to do and you know what tools you have and what tools they have. And like, how do you best mm-hmm. use the tools you have to counteract this? And you have... I haven't played it in a while. Am I right that you have, there's no timing on the turns. You can just take as long as you want to do your yeah. next. Yeah. That's great. So you can sit and think about it and like really just be like, okay, I think this, this feels the most satisfying use of my tool set. Yep. And that's a really cool way to take something that can be kind of a, I'm not saying this was the case for you, but for, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I wouldn't really play a mech game. It's not really my thing. And that's okay. But who might really like into the breach because of the way that it, expresses that idea through puzzle solving and kind of like rational thinking instead of just like twitch combat you know yeah yeah and i mean i enjoy twitch combat too like i just actually started playing splatoon 3 today because we used to have splatoon 2 until winston was like a toddler and lost every single one of our like cartridges for the switch because we did not put them in a safe place um so he brought but he brought like the little like case over and was like mom i want you to play this game and I was like, oh, we don't have that one, but I could buy the new one. <laughs> and so Just my rubber arm. <laughs> yeah. So I played Splatoon 3 today and like I'm super rusty, like very not good at it, but it's still really fun. So you were a squid now with your kid now. That's right. That's great. It is great. Yeah. He enjoys it. He really wants me to be pink every time, though, because that's his favorite color. It's an incredible color. It's a solid I pick. Don't get to choose what color the ink is going to be. When are you going to reveal as a quick side, like, have you decided, I assume you have as parents, like you've talked about the date that you're going to reveal to your child that his favorite color doesn't really exist. And it's just our brains shorting out and trying to process the fact that there should be a color there, but it's not. So it just makes up magenta. Like, when were you planning on having that sort of like reality shaking conversation with him? I'm assuming probably soon, right? It's very formative. When were you planning on having that conversation with me? <laughs> right now actually i oh i i i, I sent you a because notarized I, envelope there, there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing special about pink this is any color that's not on the rainbow really it is technically it's a compound color okay but like indigo is a fake color <laughs> so well okay that's it's a, not a real color that's a categorization thing that's like newton deciding there should be seven colors like there are seven notes huh and like, well, the blue and purple aren't close enough, or like they're, they're, they're so they're, close, they're kind of far they're apart. So, so let's put another one in between. Really close. So close, like what but, is indigo? But that's a, that's a, that's a categorization. Like indigo is definitely on the rainbow. Is it? Yes, I. It's on the spectrum. Sure, in the same way that like 
rusty red and like fucking you know like sangria sunrise are on the spectrum <laughs> it doesn't mean they deserve to be in a science textbook they're just like in between the the banger like you know heavy duty colors but we're talking about two different phenomena here one is like you know how do you how do you divvy up the colors on the spectrum into named colors mm-hmm. and then the other one is like what colors are on the spectrum versus what colors are like colors that are actually two colors that are combined in the light that our eyes see as a single color because that's useful. Isn't blue and purple just combined to make indigo? No. No? Blue, purple, <laughs> and indigo all have frequencies that are associated with them. But pink has more than one frequency. You can't make it, you can't make pink with just one frequency of light. So indigo is a real color, indigo, is what you're saying. I thought you said that that Newton made it up because he wanted seven. Newton, Which is it? <laughs> Newton divided the rainbow into seven colors. Because he wanted seven colors. Does it have a, do they all have their own frequency? But every one of them has their own frequency. Well, no, everyone has a range of frequencies and the range is like, is culturally mediated. We have, we, we don't have a, like but a pink fixed. pink isn't in that range. Pink is not, does not have a frequency. Pink has multiple frequencies that make it up. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of like saturated, any saturated color, because it's got, you know, all the other colors in there. It's got white. <laughs> so like pink isn't special. I don't know why people pick on pink. I don't pick on pink. But, you know, this reminds me of a conversation that I had with my... my. I my can't super... wait, by the way, to have this conversation with, with Winston. <laughs> okay, he's not going to understand it because I definitely didn't understand anything you just said. And and also, magenta is weird, if I remember right, because unlike the other compound colors that are combinations of things that exist on the prism spectrum. Like when we see brown, you can take red and orange and enough things on the spectrum and smush them together, enough other colors we can see, and you make brown. But magenta doesn't come from, there's no combination of things on the spectrum that actually makes magenta. Our brains just go, what is that? I would have to. Yeah, well, have isn't to it just like red and white? See something backing this up. I'll blast your, I'll blast you in orbit. <laughs> tell me. I, tell I think me it's red and blue. Blue? <laughs> yeah. Red and blue is purple, my man. Yeah. I tell you. Pretty it's sure not it's re- pink. Pretty sure it's red and blue. Are you thinking of paint mixing? Because that's not the same thing as light mixing. <laughs> I'm going to tell a little story here. So the other day, like a couple weeks ago, I'm trying to fix a sprinkler valve in a lawn that's broken. And I can't figure out what's wrong with it. I've taken it apart. I've put it back together. I'm very like capable of taking things apart and putting them back to- together. And... I see how they work, sort of, <laughs> but my supervisor, who was formerly a longtime coworker of mine, we've worked together for over 10 years. We're, we're very comfortable with each other. He's like, well, you know how a, a solenoid works, right? And I was like, no, like, I know it works. I know what it is. I know where it goes, <laughs> but I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel that way about pretty much everything. Like, it doesn't matter how much you tell me how how an engine works. Like, like I can put take an engine apart and I could put it back together. I still don't understand how it actually works. Like, it explodes ancient dinosaur juice constantly. It's just exploding all the time. I don't buy it. Right, like, get out of I, here. I get it, but I don't really get it same you know like i don't really understand like there's a level of like understanding that i feel like a lot of people do have about the way things work whereas my brain is just like okay yeah it's the electricity magic or it's the 
it's the valve magic. The solenoid does a thing. It sends a signal and then a thing happens and then the sprinklers turn on. I don't yeah. know what happens. Something yeah. does, though. Yeah. Here's the thing about knowledge, though, is that, like, there are people who understand how the car works at a level deeper than you do. But there are things about their understanding that they don't understand that they would have to study up to like on how do how do explosions work mm-hmm. what does it mean to explode right yeah but like i i just feel like so much of my understanding just breaks down to or just like comes down to like i don't know what's really happening it's just works <laughs> or yeah, it doesn't I mean, work well we we rely on these abstractions every day in our lives yeah every day of our lives we're like it, it's necessary to to get anything done yeah and when you talk about like light spectrums and sometimes when you talk about like sound i'm just like i don't fucking get what you're talking about at all like yeah this doesn't like i don't have a framework for it yeah yeah it's sometimes it's hard for me to have an understanding of like what do i know because everybody knows it and Mm -hmm. what do i know because this is the shit i was obsessed with when i was 15 yeah 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 (laughs) another thing i don't know why I've been thinking about this recently. Sometimes I'm on the show and it's like, this show will like cause me to realize I've been thinking about stuff that then comes up on the show without me bringing it up. And I'm like, what, what is this? Deep, <laughs> what's this deep state shit? But uh, I'm not actually a, a deep state fanatic. Just so you know, the show doesn't know me. Like an assumption, but like, I think I've been thinking about randomly like last month is how you cannot know how something works in different directions. If that makes sense. So like, there are a lot of things where you can start at the top, the the just the here's the thing, and then you keep burrowing down deeper and deeper and deeper until you hit a layer where you don't get it. So like my phone, it's like it's a phone, and it's like well, what's that? And it's like uh, I can start listing components. Like it's a computer, and it's a a visual display, and like a touch, you know, bioelectricity receptor. And they're like, all right, but what are those? And eventually, I hit a state where I'm like, I don't know how to tell you anymore about what a computer is. I'm lost. I don't understand it. I don't understand how the touch receptivity works i hit a point where you burrow down enough i'm like i don't know how this works anymore and like a car's engine is the opposite i don't understand that in the other direction where it's like yeah it it burns fuel and it the fuel explodes and causes energy to be released really fast and makes the car go it's like how well i think i know that the fuel explodes and it makes these like canisters explode these pistons out of them and the pistons cause the engine to turn it's like how I don't know, <laughs> you know, like go, yeah. going right. going up from the most yeah. basic level is the direction I can go until I hit a ceiling that I don't understand instead of a floor. And I find that fascinating how huh. some things you start on one end and some things you start on the other end. Yeah. And if you just dig hard enough in either direction from where you start, you will hit somewhere where you're like, I don't know, man, yeah. <laughs> this just works. OK, leave me alone. Yeah, definitely. I, I work for a government agency and, you know, we get a lot of we have a lot of new rangers right now and. And some of them like ask me questions where I'm just like, I don't know. It's just how we do it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I've, and I've worked for this company, you know, for this, this, this agency for a long time. And like, some of the questions are very silly. Like w- one person asked me, why don't the trucks have leather seats? <laughs> and <laughs> and the, this person who was asking me was young they're they're in a position called a student laborer position it's like a it's like a student job like a summer job and they come from a wealthy background um and probably have never you know been around cars that don't have leather seats yeah and so it's a valid question for them to ask but like sometimes those questions i'm just like huh 
I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing for you, bud. I'm just like, and I mean, I know why we don't have leather seats. Like, like we're a government agency, so we have to buy the most cost efficient vehicles or cost effective vehicles, I should say. We buy them like in lots, you know, and uh, we 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 buy the cheapest ones because we have a, a responsibility to the taxpayers who are paying for these vehicles to not be wasteful. But like, I get those kinds of questions from them all the time. And like, sometimes I can answer them like that one. But like, sometimes I don't know how to answer these questions about like, why we do procedures the way that we do. We just do them because we've always done them that way. And someone decided that that was the right way to do them, you know? Yeah. It's also interesting to me how certain certain types of barriers intellectually that you hit like that feel more acceptable and more satisfying when you get to the I don't know point. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people have that at their jobs where it's like, well, we do it this way because it's kind of always been done. And you might realize that in the moment and be like, that is weird. Why do we do it? You know, and you might be mm-hmm. like, but why? Like that doesn't feel satisfying always. Like, but why do we do it this way? Just because we've always done it this way. What's the reason? Yeah. And then other times, like I think I run into my job making music all the time is, you know, somebody will be asking me like, well, why'd you write it this way? I'm like, oh, because this chord leads into this chord and I can do some music theory nonsense. And eventually it just hits a point where it's like, because it sounds good. And people just accept that. They don't go, they usually don't ask like, but why does it sound good? <laughs> and you and you could keep pushing, but a lot of people just stop there and go, yeah, you're right. And just like accept it. Yeah. In like an artistic field in a way where maybe in, in other, you know, in other places people are like, yeah, but that's not satisfying. Tell me, keep, you know, explain it to me. Well, that, that's kind of what music theory is, is like the science of what sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I just remembered that song that you wrote for the Dante's Inferno thing <laughs> in um, Frog Fractions 2. And I remember the first time that I listened to it, it made me want to laugh and cry at the same time. Oh my, I felt... It was very confusing. <laughs> it was like the most confusing music I've ever heard. And uh, I really le- enjoyed it. <laughs> That's legit maybe one of the coolest compliments I've, I've ever gotten. I'm not doing a bit like, you know, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That's a huge ding right there. Like, I love that. <laughs> I, now I want to listen to that. We should throw you, you should throw it into the into the episode. Yeah, a little idea. bit of it. So good. Thank you so much. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, your topic is which foods would be most fun or the least fun to eat if you rotated them at 90 degree angle first? Yeah. So April chose something thought thought provoking and I sort of went a different way. Uh, <laughs> because... no, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts here. So let me explain. 90 like, degrees. We all need to just agree to be adults about this. And like you can't imagine you've got a banana coming at you. And it's coming at you. <laughs> you are in control of the banana. Let me make it's not scary. Okay. Okay. All right. And a monster. It's just a banana that you're holding and you're bringing it to your face to eat it the way you'd eat a banana. Now you could rotate it 90 degrees where you rotate it where the point is still pointing towards your mouth and you've just kind of turned it in your hand. Yeah. We we all know that's not what I mean. 
Yes, right? yes. I'm saying in this scenario, you would probably rotate the banana so that it is like vertical. Like, you know, the tips are pointing to the ceiling and the floor and you've got to now eat it at this orientation. That seems kind of like a good time <laughs> to me. Be, like, it would be messy. It would be messy. But... I mean, I've definitely seen my kid eat many foods in this way. Yeah, like eat, that's eat, what I was thinking about, though. Is like kids toast from the middle. Oh God, yeah, like hell yeah. He have like his, you know, like t- his like bread, and it's like this, you know. I'm, I'm holding, <laughs> and he would just stick his face in the middle of it. He just, I was thinking about exactly that thing the other day about how, <laughs> what if a hamburger came at me, but instead of biting it. The way we bite it, I had to like burrow through the top of the bun <laughs> down and like how how kids do that all the time, either because they're just messing around in the way that we don't give ourselves permission to do anymore. Or we 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 treat, you know, we treat as weird, you know, deviant behavior. Well, I think the reason Winston was eating the toast that way, because that was he was eating the topping first. But why don't we do that? Because that was That's the, the best, best part. part. Yes, right. exactly. Because it gets butter all over your face. Well, no, the reason, so what? like, so for example, <laughs> I don't want butter all over my face. So for example, <laughs> the reason I want to eat a hamburger side on is that I don't want to eat ingredients one at a time. If I did, I would eat the ingredients one at a time. I want the cross section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, not saying all the know, time, like you're doomed to eat a banana sideways for the rest of your life. I'm just saying, no, yeah, yeah. Every now and then, just to play with it. What if you burrowed through your hamburger from top to bottom just to be like, what if I treated this like an archaeological expedition, you know, and I I've got the bun layer and the lettuce and mayo core sample. Yeah, it's not going to be as good. Like, I obviously we eat a hamburger the way we eat it, but for a lot of reasons for the next 30 seconds, I'm eating just mayonnaise, (laughs) (laughs) but it's going to be meditative. I think it's going to force you to give up. (laughs) It's going to force you to really like live in the moment. You can't dodge it. By going, I've got tomato and beef and all these other things. You've got to just live with your mayonnaise for 30 seconds. I think that's beautiful. I know you said that we're not rotating it like the sideways, but I think there is a good point to be made for that. And like, so there's like a taco, right? And yeah. People take the taco and then they stick their head sideways and they bite it. Yeah. And I've, so- I've seen people just turn the taco sideways and just eat it like a fucking sandwich. Oh, why is that weird? That should be allowed. It's, so here's the thing. It depends on the taco you have, because some tacos, you turn them sideways. Everything's going to fucking fall out. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a taco anymore. You're going to have a tortilla. And that's what I'm saying, right? That's the other half of this question is which ones would be the least fun. Like some are just logistically, mm-hmm. you turn it 90 degrees, it's game over. Like a taco like that. It's just going to open like an right. upturned purse. But it's not for always though. It's just like, it depends on the taco. It depends like how it's built, you know? Yeah, is it, like, is it a hard shell taco? You know, is it a hard shell taco? Is it a soft taco? Like, is it overstuffed? Because if it's overstuffed, it's like definitely going to be- You're, you're done. You're, you're done, right? right? Yeah. But if it's not overstuffed and like maybe if it has like a nice like semi-melted cheese layer on top, it, it'll like- Taco hold, taco. Hold those in. Right. A choco taco you could totally eat sideways. Although a choco taco is going to fall apart and be a mess no matter what, because it's going to be melting. It's going to be July and it's going to be 99 degrees outside. Yeah. That's a very good point. Like some some foods I think just logistically don't lend themselves to this and wouldn't be a good experiment. Like ones I think about with this are like oblong, like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. I turn it so that it's not coming at me point first. I'm going at it right through the middle. 
I'm going to bite through that thing like a shark and I'm going to probably feel kind of powerful for like sure, a couple yeah, of seconds, definitely. you know, that's going to feel awesome. And then I got to go back and deal with my two halves, my two remaining thirds of a hot dog. And that kind of sucks. You took a bite of a hot dog and now you have two hot dogs. Yeah, now that's... I've doubled my hot dog output. Exactly. That's input. A, that's a paradox. Output? <laughs> input as well. Yeah. <laughs> I have produced two hot dogs. That's and... Ike's paradox. <laughs> god if i leave anything any legacy at all on earth and i have a choice between my music or ike's paradox i really kind (laughs) of it's kind of a sophie's choice right now imagine eating a rib straight up and down god all of us wear glasses there would be so much barbecue sauce on our glasses there'd be nothing left of you there would be barbecue sauce up our noses and you'd be free. You'd be living life <laughs> free of society's constraints. That's free all I'm of saying. society's niceties, anyways. Yeah. Also free of a sinus passage and <laughs> visibility. Like some foods, I, I think about this, like some foods turn into, if you do this, other foods. If I have a slice of pizza coming at me point first, which makes sense, and I flip it point up 90 degrees, so point to the ceiling, crust to the floor, and I'm looking at the underside of the crust. Uh-huh. The most sensible way to eat this now is probably to fold it back away from me so the point touches the crust. And now it's a sandwich. And now it's a fucking cal- it's a calzone. Now. Oh, it's a calzone, yeah, which is basically a sandwich. Yeah, which is a pizza sandwich. Yes, I've made a calzone by just viewing the world through my skewed little South Park lens that I'm uh, twisting everything through. And I think that's beautiful. Uh-huh. Until it's not. Tell your rib example where it's absolutely hell <laughs> to do this sideways. Especially because if you do it that way, it's so much harder to get all the meat off the rib. So you got to go up the length of that fucking thing. Yeah. From multiple multiple angles. Oh yeah, that would be Woof. real. It would be a nightmare. Yeah. Your teeth would just be like your gums would be like I give up. Your yeah, your dentist would definitely be like, why is the bottom? Why are the bottom teeth a ruinous cavern? Yeah. And the top ones are kind of untouched. What have you been doing? You're like, well, I've been doing my ribs top to bottom vertically. And they'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's a different perspective. It's what? Like, stop it. <laughs> they, but they don't get it. You know, they're not paid to get it. They're paid to get. No, teeth. They, they don't even eat candy. Like, so, right. They're not even right. They're basically not even dentists aren't even alive. Really. Yeah. If you think about it. That's they, why they kill themselves more than everybody else. Oh, my God. Dark. Is that true? I think they're one of the like they at least. The last time I checked, they have one of the like highest suicide rates of a, of a profession. I think the highest was toll workers, but I don't think toll workers exist anymore because of COVID. Oh, I thought you were going to say because they all killed themselves. <laughs> 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 you know, this doesn't work for soup or cereal. I Exactly. That's also a good point. You need to thicken it. You need a thickener. <laughs> then it's a stew. Yes. Or a curry. Or a pudding. (laughs) (laughs) I would challenge everybody here, and I know it's really unfair because I'm talking to two parents and it's like you don't need more shit all over your floor probably than you're already dealing with from your son just being a child. Oh, yeah. And if we do something, he's going to want to do it too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll really be ejecting some chaos in the world. But I would challenge people who aren't going to ruin their lives by doing it to just next time you... Something and you can you can do without like ruining a you know a leather sofa or something like just split flip it baby just flip take it. ninety degrees just spin it see if you have a good time see if it makes you think you know and some are gonna be losers right like a Cheeto like there's no orientation I could put that at where it's like more interesting just get it in me right 
but a Pringle that is perfectly has is almost like 1984 being like, you must only eat this the way that I dictate. I'm shaped like the human tongue. I clearly go here and I'm going to be like, nah, I'm no government stooge. And you flip it sideways. Is it kind of hurt a little bit? Yeah, it does. But that's the price of being free, I think. A Cheeto shaped Batman, though, that would be a, that would be a completely different eating experience. <laughs> that what? is definitely you change the game if you flip that if you flip that bad boy. <laughs> Cheeto shaped Cheeto Cheeto shaped like Batman, as I'm sure is still listed on eBay to this day. Okay. Oh, I get it. Do yourself a, a Google favor. Like the, wait, you mean like the Batman logo? No, I mean okay. We got. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's, let's see if this I'm is still a thing. At the internet. Well, no, this is a Topic Lords thing. Oh, I don't listen to that show. <laughs> <laughs> I learned about this here and in, in the spirit of things that this show brings up after I've already been thinking about them uh, within a month of being on. I was just like last week, like, I wonder if those Batman cheetahs are still around. So bless you for bringing it up. Oh, yeah, it's still listed. There's a bid on it for $2,286. Oh, but God. But I'm sure that's a fake. Get it. Because like. Get it, coward. Do you think people keep buying it and relisting it to try to flip it? I've just been <laughs> assuming that there's a rare Pikachu-shaped Cheeto uh, on sale for okay, twenty-five thousand well, dollars. Let's let's camp out on Batman here. I mean, it does, just looks like a that ghost. Like, doesn't that look like Batman crying? No, it just looks like a little cute ghosty with with ears. Okay, <laughs> I can see it, but it's it, it's really abstract. I really gotta. It's like going to the MoMA. I really got to dig deep, you know? Yeah. To see through the Jackson Pollock here and kind of go like, Sometimes oh, I about... go to the MoMA and there's just like a painting that's it's just a canvas with white paint. And I'm just like, no. No, that's no. no. Someone's painting a house and they missed. No. I just <laughs> Entirely. like, walk, that's all I say. I just say no and walk away. And then some like docent just glares at me. Let him glare. Yeah, you can flip that blank canvas ninety degrees as much as you want. It's still just going to be a white, a white square, and nothing. <laughs> so, are we uh, ready for another topic? Yeah, I think this one's going to be gross. My topic is the shags. Sounds gross. Can you spell that, please? S H A G G S. Oh, it's not gross. No Z. Oh, it's kind of, it's kind of gross. Okay. So I'm going to read from Wikipedia here. The shags were an American rock band formed in Fremont, New Hampshire, in 1965. They comprised the three sisters, Dorothy Dot Wiggin, Betty Wiggin, Helen Wiggin, and later Rachel Wag Wiggin. Their music has been described as both among the worst of all time and a work of <laughs> unintentional brilliance. So, hell yeah. One of the, so first of all, like if you haven't listened to the music of the Shags, you should. I, I I love it. I love listening to this stuff. It is so fascinating. It's such an interesting work of outsider art. But this is also like a, a story of child abuse. The dad apparently was told by a fortune teller his daughters would be in a famous rock band. And then he was like, okay, well, I gotta make that happen. And he made these kids like practice and perform who clearly like have no aptitude for it. And it's one of those things where like if you, you can look you can look at this situation and say, yes, clearly this is a case of child abuse and should not have happened. But you could say the same thing about, for example, the Jackson Five. Oh yeah. 
and we we don't examine it i mean it's been examined plenty but i don't think we as readily go there as a society it's like well they sounded great right because you know when the art is good we will forgive the abuses as a society and i i mean you could say that about who's that rapist uh movie producer or director uh oh that's all of them well, yeah, you gotta be more specific. Harvey Weinstein? Yeah. Uh well, there's that guy. He he got canceled pretty good, but there's uh I don't know his name. I'm bad at names. Fucking um Roman Polanski. Roman, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But this is I think a different kind of situation where like the artists are the victims. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I wonder, like, I have a lot of affection for bands that are bad. Like, I, I'm not going to sit around and, like, listen to them and recommend them necessarily. But, like, I really like a a, a pretty popular British rap band called The Streets. Because I just think every song of theirs is fucking unintentionally hilarious. And, like, mm-hmm. they're doing they're doing great for themselves. They seem to be pretty successful. So, like, I could be in the wrong here, clearly, as part of it for me. This is, like, what I've heard of the Shags is truly, truly unlistenable. <laughs> like, pretty, pretty rough to get through. And then the knowing the background of it that's just like these kids like did they even want to be there you know did they know they kind of sucked at this and were they like dad we don't want to keep practicing this thing that we have like no aptitude for and i'm a big fan of the theory you know the idea that like you can you don't have to have aptitude for art you don't have a built-in talent to to get good at it and to build you know ability with it but it's so so much more work when you don't just have some some built-in yeah, uh, it sucks so much harder, and you know, I just, I, it's much easier for me to enjoy, ironically, a band that I think is kind of laughably dumb sounding when it's like, but I, but I think they love what they're doing and they're having fun and success probably from it. So yes, great, you know, everybody wins, unlike this. Yeah, yeah, and and there's no reason to like fixate on this one outsider art band that everybody knows about. When there's thousands of outsider art bands out there making outsider art music right now that you could go laugh at as we speak. Yeah, it's actually pretty sad. I'm reading this this Wikipedia thing. It says the Shags had no interest in becoming musicians and never became proficient in songwriting or performing. In 1969, Austin paid for the Shags to record an album, Philosophy of the World, which was distributed in limited quantities by a local record label. The Shags disbanded in 1975 after Austin's death. So they were just like, should have been called the Shackles. Yikes. Dark. I do really like that they apparently have a tribute album called Better Than the Beatles. <laughs> a tribute to the Shags. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, some of their song titles make me wonder if the girls got to, if the, the women in the band got to name the songs and if they were doing it as a cry for help. Because, I mean, I think they... I think Dot Wigan, Wigan, what is is that their name? Wiggins. Wiggins yeah. uh, did all the songwriting. Or Wigan, yeah. Because so. the names of the songs are things like, what should I do? And who are parents? Or, Why do I feel? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. There, there's It's mixed in with stuff like that little sports car and stuff. But I feel like there's enough of these that sort of seem like a, a, a forlorn AI going like, what is a tear? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is love? Like, why do I feel pain? So their album, Philosophy of the World, has an 86 on Metacritic. Hell yeah, it does. And 4.5 on all music. Like, all these uh, ratings that are listed on, on their Wikipedia page, they're all pretty good. 8.6 on Pitchfork. That's tough. That's Dang, tough to that's, get. Yeah, Pitchfork's a tough sell. That's weird. And odd. 
That's very strange. I'm very fascinated with, because uh, I think I'm personally bad at sussing it out. Art that lives at the very tips of the, the horseshoe ends, if you know what I mean. Like, this is so obviously awful on its face. And then you'll get people being like, actually, it's brilliant. And I'll be like, what? And I run into that a lot. Like, uh, Alicia and I have watched our fair share. You know, she's into like, Back in the day, we watched like Project Runway together. Um, she was into that show and like mm-hmm. Next in Fashion and stuff on on Netflix and that kind of thing. And there are so, so, so many times an episode when someone will come down the runway wearing one of the contestants' looks, and in my head I'll be like, "This looks like dog shit." And I'm 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 there for high fashion and for weird looks that aren't meant to be every day. But I'll see one and be like, "This looks like crap." There's no, and then all the judges will be like, "This is brilliant," and I think I'm going insane. And I I think this band seems to fit in that space where like. What I've heard seems pretty not good. Uh, and I don't mean that to denigrate anybody. Like these these people worked hard on this stuff. And like, you know, art is super subjective. So who cares what I think? But then there's people out there going like, actually, this isn't just good. And it's a matter of taste being different. And that's fine. It's like, it's brilliant. It's like, you know, subversive stuff. And I'm, I, I think I, I suffer at being really bad at seeing both sides of that coin. One of the things that music critics deal with one of the issues that they deal with is they hear a lot of music and so when they hear music that doesn't sound like music they've already heard that's exciting Mm -hmm. and then i would agree with this that like i think that the the thing that makes philosophy of the world uh the then the the um shags music i've heard interesting is that it doesn't sound like music i've heard before it doesn't sound like bad music i've heard before it sounds bad in its own way and it's very interesting that's a good point. Yeah, it, it does not, I think doesn't sound bad in a way I recognize is a very good way to put that because that is, I don't personally love it, but I find it fascinating. Like I I want to listen to it as an artifact. I'm like, what? Oh, Why does it sound like this though? Yeah. You it's know? like when you got obsessed with that Italian music song from uh, from a like, from like a pizza place. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ryan, explain? We, Ryan you, I've talked to you about this. <laughs> Remind me about this uh this Italian pizza pizza joint. So this is a uh, Propizio Chitara from an album called Italian Restaurant Music by Gypsy Cafe Ensemble. coming back to me this is music i heard in whole foods <laughs> and i was listening to it I, I, I just noticed this playing over the pa system and it just struck me as like this is so incredibly dull it's dull and exciting at the same time it's like the ren and simpy stimpy soundtrack sped up like three <laughs> times <laughs> and i i uh shazammed it um, and I'm so glad I did because if I didn't Shazam it, like there would be, you can't Google for lyrics. It's interesting too, because it's, you say it's boring and it it, it kind of is, but it's so active. Yeah. That's what I meant by, I guess, propulsive is, is the word that I might use, but it's also just like at every moment they made the dullest possible choice. <laughs> and I, I got obsessed with this and I, I keep showing it to people like, I guess I want to just share, like, how did, how does something like this happen? (laughs) And like, my personal theory is that like this guy, Gypsy Cafe Ensemble is like a production music guy. It was like, he's, he's making music to be played in the background, like literally Italian restaurant music. 
and just I have to fill this CD with stuff. Okay, here's a bunch of guitar samples from a clip, like a CD of, of CD-ROM of clips. <laughs> you know, here's a here's a sample. Okay, it's not really an accordion solo, but it's like a, a, a like two seconds of accordion. I can like treat like it's almost a solo. Yeah. It's fast. It's when you first showed this to me, it was fascinating. And now it's fascinating all over again. Cause I, I feel like every time I, you introduce this to me, I come at it from a different angle. And I'm always like, what a beautiful mind the person who wrote this must have. Cause like, it's, I agree. It's like the ultimate, you know, I, I make music for video games. A lot of the times the idea is I, I am writing something that I want to be engaging and cool to listen to and enjoyable and evocative on its own. And yet I need to write it in a way where it doesn't really draw too much attention because it's not the focus here at this point in the media it's for. And so I, I get that aspect of this where it's like, yeah, you're eating. It's not, you're not supposed to be focusing on the music, but it feels like this person is trying to like push that. They're such a pro that they will not take it beyond the point where it ever gets the threshold is will it is it ever interesting and they refuse to <laughs> sacrifice except that like it was so attention grabbing and i'm still thinking about it years later yeah even though it's still boring right and but that's why yeah it's like it's yeah. a perfect i want to yeah room temperature to, you should meet this person <laughs> i would love to meet this person i don't know if they would love to meet me i don't know if they want to hear from me oh that's my that's my concern with that who knows maybe they know maybe they're also perplexed by it Maybe yeah. they wake up every night going like, how did I do it? I, I I heard the hum of the universe and translated it through my instruments and my my production. And the hum of the universe just sounded like, a, a, you know, a bug zapper buzzing. It sounded like fluorescent lights humming, you know, like the most boring <laughs> sound possible. And I just, I let that inspire me, but at Mach 10, because it's, again, so usually when music is boring to me, it's just making the most basic expected choice. Yeah. Like I find a lot of, um, no offense to anybody who digs it, but like a lot of 50s kind of pop and rock I find kind of boring these days just because like there's a lot of classics there, but it just does, it's not its fault. We've just based so much music off of that era and built on it. That's like when a song just does like, yeah, a one chord, a four chord, a five chord and back to one again. Yeah, like the Beatles, hella boring. <laughs> like the Beatles, uh, exactly. Like, right, you we're know, we're I... gonna have a conversation later about Beatles, <laughs> Beatles chord progressions. I get a little bored, and this is like you said, it's the most boring choice possible at any second, but it's also an unexpected boring choice. It just keeps moving, and it doesn't stay where I think it's gonna stay. It's like it's, it's. It, I don't know. Hmm. It's like they've synthesized their own boring version of interesting that still isn't interesting but is not boring in the way I expect boring things to be, which should make it interesting, but it's not what I want to meet. The, if you meet this person and you don't invite me, I'll be friendships. We're done. Oh my you, goodness. Understand, you understand? I definitely don't want to meet this person now. Are we uh, ready for another topic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for this topic, we're going to be doing the poem instructions for traveling West by Joy Sullivan. April, would you like to read this poem? This was your idea. Yeah, I'll read it. Instructions for traveling West. First, you must realize you're homesick for all the lives you're not living. Then, you must commit to the road and the rising loneliness, to the sincere thrill of coming apart. Divorce yourself from routine and control. Instead, find a desert and fall in. Take the trail that promises of you. Get lost, break your toes, bruise your knees, keep going. Watch a purple meadow quiver. Get still. Pet trail dogs, buy the hat, run out of gas, befriend strangers. 
Night yourself every morning for your newborn courage. Give grief her own lullaby. Drink whiskey beside a hundred-year-old cactus. Honor everything. Pray to something unnameable. Fall for someone impractical. Reacquaint yourself with desire in all her slender hands. Bear beauty for as long as you are able, and if you spot a sunning warbler glowing like a prism, remind yourself, joy is not a trick. That rules. So Joy Sullivan is a poet that I love. She Oh, um, she's saying she herself is not a trick. Is she? That's the question, right? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, she she's a she's a poet that I actually ran across um in on Instagram of all places. And I think my coworker Alisa sent me a poem like via DM on Instagram and was like, I think you'll like this. And I was like, Oh my God, you know me so well. And she's very evocative. Uh, she really writes to my soul. Um, if I have one of those things, there's a, a meter to this that I feel like is very precise, like the way that it's written and the way that it's like constructed, it looks like it just, it looks just like a paragraph, but it's actually written really like precisely in a way that like, it starts out with like a kind of a couple of long sentences and then some really short staccato ones. And then a couple, like a, a medium sized sentence that is like very just descriptive of like uh, a mental image. And this is something we've talked about before, like whether or not, I don't, I don't know if, I've talked about it with you, Ryan, but I've talked about it with Jim multiple times about like, can you create mental images in your mind? Like if you hear something, someone reads a passage to you, can you see it in your mind's eye? Can you, Ryan? No, it's an actual question. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think in this moment, I'm realizing it didn't occur to me that not everyone can. I, I guess Jim, I thought that was universal. Yeah, I thought so too, but Jim can't, or at least not without trying right. very diff- hard. Right. And the, the reason that, I am convinced of this is that I can hear things in my mind really well, but I can't picture things in my mind. Right. That's fascinating. From this poem by itself, like watch a purple meadow quiver, like is like, I can see that. Doing it now. You know, I can't not do it. In fact, if you were like, don't picture the stuff in this, like, good luck, you know? Right. Like pet trail dogs. Like I can see the trail dog in my head, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a dog that I see at my work all the time. Her name is Kawa. She never lets me pet her. Okay, was it? Well, in this poem, she has to. Yeah, well, she doesn't in real life, and she's a little shit. But <laughs> she does bring me a stick sometimes, and I get to throw her the stick. Oh, she good that way. She's a good girl. She just is like, I'm not here for pets. I'm here for adventure. Yeah, which Don't I waste you know, my time. I I value that. Uh, but you know, like the the hat, it's a straw hat. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, sitting next to that hundred year old cactus. It's one of those like classic desert cactuses that like goes up and then has like the two little arms that kind of go out and then up you know like that's what it looks like you know and there's a and there's a beautiful like red sunset in the background and like plateaus and mesas and all that stuff like all of that you know like traveling west is such a just like such a strong idea at least in american culture anyways Mm -hmm. um there's just something very romantic about the west and there's also something very lonely about the west at the same time for sure and, and similarly, there's something very romantic and also very lonely about this poem. Yes. Yeah. And Jim and I did some some reading about this this poem in general. And basically, like, she changed her whole life. Like, she did this. Oh, yeah, cool. she blew up her life and other people's as well. Yeah, <laughs> she blew up her life. <laughs> okay. She left a man that wanted to marry her and she moved west. 
with her cat. Dang. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, obviously this was something she needed to do. And you can tell she needed to do it just by reading this. And Jim kept coming back to the last line. Joy is not a trick. But I've just figured it out. It's not a capital J. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) But I mean, there is a double entendre there because her name is Joy. But like. She's writing to herself. She is. So that may actually be a factor. Yeah. But I don't know about the other entendre. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. And and he asked me what it meant, and I still can't explain it. Like I can't I can't tell you what it means. Joy is not a trick, but I can, but I can feel it. Yeah, I like I like that a lot too. That that last line hit me really really good. This is yet another example of this fucking show bringing up a thing that I've kind of happened to have been doing recently, just before the show. Mm-hmm. So not like today, but in the last couple of months, I've been getting back into meditation and as part of kind of trying to work on harnessing my ADHD and some other things, um, part of that meditation practice has been really trying to cultivate gratitude and just notice, you know, notice stuff in my daily life and take pleasure in things where I wouldn't normally and notice the the pleasure in small things that like I kind of tend to overlook. Like there's this concept I learned about recently about like doing the dishes to do the dishes. I hate doing dishes. I hate it. Uh, if I could cook every meal for the rest of my life for my family and friends, but not ever have to wash a dish, I'd be thrilled. But if you're washing a dish and you're like, oh, I want this done and it's, it sucks and I hate it and I just want it over with and it's a chore and it's I'm it's keeping me from things I want to do, you're going to have a bad time. But if you, and I don't always succeed at this, but if you try to wash a dish and be like, I'm washing this because I made a meal for people I care about and that's pretty cool. And the yeah. water feels nice and it feels nice to make something clean and I can just experience this moment. And when I succeed, which is rare at landing there, that's that's joy, that's happiness in that moment. And I like I like that last line because to me it means like it's not fake. It's not like I tricked myself in that moment, for example, into thinking I enjoy this thing that I normally hate. It's like, no, if I if I felt joy in that moment, even just that one time, that's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, however it hits you, joy joy is never like a thing that's fake, even if it is produced by an altered set of mind state or or perhaps a trick an actual trick produces the joy, the joy can't not be real at least in that moment that you're experiencing it is how this hits me i don't I, i'm no expert but it, i think that's a really cool line yeah this feels like the kind of poem that when i was a kid when i was like a teen i went through a poetry phase i was never like good at it or knew a lot about it but just i loved a good like in a fantasy book when there'd be a good like rhyming mm-hmm. center, like rhyming couplets for sure and i was very much and i still like that to be clear but uh i was very much in the camp of like if it doesn't rhyme and have a cool like rhyming rhythm i didn't like it i didn't really think it was real poetry which i know is reductive now Mm -hmm. and this feels like the ultimate expression to me of the kind of poem that like this just it's just really well constructed prose basically Mm -hmm. yeah it rules and it has its own rhythm and it's 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 painting a really amazing picture with words and with syllables and sounds and images and all these things and this is the kind of poem i wasn't capable or willing to appreciate because it didn't rhyme yeah you know and that that feels so silly and reductive now like hearing this because like this is so good i i genuinely i'm not just playing it up because i'm on the show and somebody on the show brought this to everyone's attention and trying to be you know, minnesota nice I, I really am very affected by it i think it's really good and it's a cool kind of watermark for me just kind of looking back and be like oh you know teenage young 20s me wouldn't have been able to get as much out of this yeah no mm-hmm. i i feel you on that I, I think as i get older the more i appreciate the this kind of poem you know yeah, there's a rawness to it that I feel like. I mean, I'm sure this is not the first draft, but it's also not the fiftieth draft. 
you know, mm-hmm. but I feel like some of the personal like rawness of it would, it would have been stripped away if it had been kind of like forced into a couplet or, you know, a sonnet form or something like that. You know, like, I feel like we would have lost some of the authenticity of it, of it. You were saying this poem has a rhythm to it. It does. What if the rhythm were made more explicit? Like one of the things that I kind of decided, I don't know, several months ago after doing a bunch of poems on Topic Lords is that what makes it a poem is that it does something deliberate with line breaks. Hmm. And I don't know if I believe that, but it was a, it was a thing that like, I think you could believe. Would you think that would make this worse? I do. Yeah. I do think it would make it worse. Um, but not by a lot, but not by a lot. I think it would mostly, to me, it would mostly make it different. It would be, it'd be a different yeah. thing, but it would be a different thing in a direction that I don't like as much. Yeah. Because I like this the way it is. You know why it wouldn't work? Hmm. It wouldn't fit in an Instagram post. <laughs> if it were taller <laughs> and, and narrower. She does multiple. So <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but. But you wish you weren't here. She writes longer form poetry. Okay. She does the carousel, you know, where you can just keep reading by clicking to the, you know, swiping to the next Mm, image. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't account for swiping, did you? Smart guy. No, I didn't. I didn't account for swiping. Think about that. No swiping. (laughs) A true poet accounts for swiping. But I hear you on like mindfulness practice that you've been that you've been working on. I've been working on that too. Because I'm, you know, I've been feeling like I've fallen really behind on like deep cleaning in the, in the, in our home. Sure. And so I've been actually focusing on that a lot on my days off that happened during the week while Jim is working and Winston's at school. And I'm like, man, I could be doing like fun stuff on my days off, but also like this work is good. It's good for the family and it makes me feel good. And that means that it's good work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, we, we just have obligations. Like, yeah. I've got a thousand reasons to not blow up my life for, you know, the, the first exciting thing that I see. Oh, sure. I don't know. I, I do think that this kind of choice is, it's a luxury. Oh, it definitely is a luxury. There was definitely, for for example, a period in my life when I had no temporal obligations and I just went to sleep when I was tired and I woke up when I was, wasn't was tired anymore. And I think that was my equivalent of this. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I have the ability to sleep whenever I want because I make video games for a living. And I answer to no one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, you know. She answers to no one too. She yeah. writes poetry for a living. Right. It's the same idea. Well, except that she had a fiance. Well. She clearly didn't answer to him. <laughs> if Traveling she... West feels better than being with your fiance, then you shouldn't be with your fiance. Mm. Yeah. You know? I don't know what her life was mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I have no idea. I can so, only like try to apply this lens to my own life and yeah. say, I would never make that choice. Right. Exactly. Uh, I've made that choice in the past. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious. She was with somebody I would imagine. I don't know the situation. She could be the villain here, but I I feel like if she felt this way about it, she was with somebody who did not feel the same and was not willing to share this this feeling about doing this with her and so like april said like probably like you know it made Maybe. sense yeah. if somebody who's somebody who could write this i think if you're not with someone who would want to do it like it's okay to want and feel different things in your partner that's normal but yeah I, I can see being like all right hit the bricks uh as much as i that's uh a very reductive way of putting it i just think it's uh 
it's a really good poem. It's a really good expression of a huge idea, like April said, like moving west, like a really huge evocative idea. And then all, but it's built out of all these tiny little ideas to me, like, mm-hmm. you know, bruise your knees, get still, like all the, all the things she describes are not huge things. They together compile to make the experiences, the snapshots of a doing a huge thing. But each thing she lists is pretty small. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the real trick is to be happy when, even when you're not right now, this very second, chasing your dreams down. Oh, sure. It's a skill that you have to work on. It's hard as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yes. I am going to be low-key thinking about that the whole time, but yeah, I'm hit me. Ryan, your topic is songs we completely ignore how weird they are because they're famous already. Yeah, I, I low-key think about this all the time. There are so many songs that trigger it. And of course, I was only able to think of a couple examples because in the same part of my brain that when someone asked me, like, what's your favorite book, movie, show, TV, food? It's like, have I ever liked anything? I can't think of a single thing. So I don't have as many examples as I'd like currently, but uh, this isn't songs that are like necessarily bad. Like, this sucks. But the people who made it had money and power and connections and stuff. So it got on the radio and now we kind of accept it. It can be that. But I just mean like more like we don't fully internalize how fucking weird this song is because it's just famous and part of our like musical understanding and history of things. So like (laughs) I think a good way to think about this is like take a song that is famous in some way. And imagine if instead uh, a friend or acquaintance of yours who was making music was like, hey, can you listen to something I've been working on? I got something to show you. And they just like opened a laptop and played it for you on GarageBand. And you reacted like they were a crazy person. Like an example I have is the, the I don't know the name of the song even, but it's just the one that's like, hey, bop, bop. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like that's stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. I'm gonna go to bat for that song. I think that is a, a extremely well constructed jam. Yeah, it's not about it. Again, it's not about it being bad. I think it's well put together. But it's so to me that song is super fucking weird, yeah. and we just all accept it. When if I opened, <laughs> if I opened my laptop, I was like visiting you two, and I I was like I'm working on a little something, and I played exactly that. Yeah, you you might like it because of how weird it is, but you'd much more easily be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, doesn't mean like, you have to think it's bad. You're just like, what is this? Like Zombie by the Cranberries. Hmm. That's a good example to me too, because we all I love that song. It's a me great too. Song. But like, but it's really weird. If you heard it in the context I'm describing. You you might still like it. It's not about going. This is so shitty. What's the matter with you? It's just like the way she ululates on the end it, of the word zombie and shit is so odd. Yes, and we all accept it because it's like that's what makes the song famous. That's why it blew up. It's like, is it? Why did we all you know? And if so, why do we all like that weird thing enough? Like, to I, yeah, it? I think a lot of the time that something just being a little bit weird or off is a major factor in something being hooky enough to be a hit for sure. Like it's memorable, memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's I, I find that fucking, fascinating. It like, what was the, like Lana Del Rey in her weird contra alto voice, like super low, even though she can sing really high, yeah. she chooses to sing really low because it's different. Like yeah. that's why, like she has an incredible range that she sings these like 
really weird, like plodding, low songs, and people just eat it up. Every song of hers feels like I'm viewing a scene she's describing, but like through a jar of honey. Yes. Mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's really, yeah. it's really cool effect that you is so different. And so I get it. It's unique. That makes sense to me. And also she's just super talented. But this topic's about like the ways that a song's fame and it's just the acceptance we give certain songs and pieces of art to be like, well, yeah, it's it's popular. So that must be why. And like, would we be able to appreciate things on a greater level of breadth and depth if they were not already famous and introduced to us as an accepted, you know, hey, the culture likes this. Mm. Clearly they must because it's on the radio. It's doing well. I know that's not the only reason songs get on the radio, but you know what I mean? Like in a different direction, an an example I think about all the time is the fucking, the Pina Colada song. If you like Pina Coladas. That song's a cute, a cute bop. You know, I, 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 I won't lie. Like I, I, nod my head when that shit comes on the radio still like that's you know my wife and i have some connection to that song but again in that setting if it was like hey i'm working on a little something and i open my laptop and play that for you you'd be like so wait you cheat on your wife in this song it's like yeah but no she it's cool because she's cheating too and we didn't really do it right like it turned out we were cheating on each other it's cute and you'd be like yeah that's fucked up you know like we all just are are, are down with it but it's like that's kind of fucked up man like <laughs> i guess i didn't know that song was about cheating it's about two people who are bored with their relationship. So the guy that the song's point of view is from, he puts out a classified ad being like, I'm looking to get some strange. And the whole chorus is like, if you like pina coladas, you know, he's listing all the shit that you like that he answered in the yeah. ad. And then the woman who answers the ad that he's going to go cheat with is his wife, who also has been doing this. And it's like, ah, oh, it's cute. We actually were adventurous and do love each other. And it's like, this is pretty jacked up, you guys. <laughs> you really Ow. need to go to therapy. <laughs> You need to get a room and not put this on the radio. <laughs> I bet this has happened in real life. I kind of, I kind of hope so. Even though it's that's buck wild. I bet it you know, has. But I bet it has. And and do you think it worked out? I have no idea if it worked out. I just, I'm just <laughs> betting it's happened in real life. It's like there are people out there who have like married the same person like three times. You know, yeah. that's man, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, if we're if we're opening up the floor to like every song about a fucked up thing, we might. Uh, be including a little bit too much to be uh to be interesting well i i think that the distinction is not just songs that are about fucked up things but songs that are about fucked up things that we don't fully process i wasn't just talking about the subject matter but going down that line of thinking like yeah songs that are about wild shit where we don't process how wild they what they are about is because the song is just accepted as like yep there's that song and yeah we all know it it's famous you know the one that comes to mind for me and this is just because i don't listen to lyrics is uh love the one you're with by steven stills oh yeah Which is, I think, one of the most beautiful, the chorus is like one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever, ever recorded. But it's also just about like, yeah, if, if you're, Settle. if your girlfriend's <laughs> not here, just fuck anybody. Just fuck whoever's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so many, that's another, that's probably a topic for another episode, but like, that's another thing that fascinates me is songs that the actual subject matter doesn't match up with the 
the beauty or the stylistic sound of the song itself mm-hmm. you know like i feel like that's a good example of god that song has such a good chorus it's such a well-constructed thing it's like this is about just sticking it in whoever's around and down with it yeah you know or like the the one that i've been thinking about a lot because my my wife loves this song and has been putting it on a lot is bad moon rising mm-hmm. like like it's so happy and kind sounding and just kind of bouncing along like you're going on a fun road trip and the song's about the end of the world and how we're all gonna die and and there's monsters outside everywhere literally ripping people apart like and i didn't notice it until it was pointed out to me like literally this year because it's so happy sounding it's like wait what's this all about? i had no idea look up the lyrics of that song it's a Dude, like it's, it's funny i thought i paid attention to lyrics but i guess not I, same same that song is like it's not just like a fun halloween romp either it's like it's hopeless the song is like hey we are fucked we are not getting out of this like you know batten up the hatches and see how long we can ride this out until we are all gone uh because that's it and it's like this is so at odds with itself and mm. i think that might be another example of my topic it's just like uh, we we hear that song all the time and because it's famous i probably don't ever examine it as deeply as i might have if someone had presented it to me in a not this is already a famous song that is part of musical culture or context i might have listened more carefully and been like wait what's this about you know what i mean yeah, yeah. the corollary here maybe I've, I've talked about this before but i've talked to you in, in fact about ryan about this uh, about uh, reading the the number ones column by tom bryhan mm-hmm. where he talks about you know the number number one billboard hits of the past you know 70 years and I, I don't have an example off the top of my head but like I'll, there's been many situations where i've been like I, I i will not not know the piece of music and listen to it and be like this is this is completely bizarre like how did this become a hit yeah i i feel like it's it's kind of the opposite effect where like it's one of the one of those songs that like you just barely missed like this this is not one of the songs you're talking about you where you know it and but it's weird it's one of those songs where like you don't know it but it was a, but it was definitely a hit and yeah. it's a, this totally bizarre artifact that's what i mean i think that's exactly what i'm trying to hit in on is like when it is a famous song but it's not a famous song for you it's not part of your experience and, and doesn't stand out to you in some way and have any memories to you then it's more easy to be like this is a hit why and you might agree that it should be or you might not but like just be like it's so much easier to be mystified by it and be like what is this about? Why does it sound this way? You know, yeah. like, and I, I think that's a really fascinating thing where so much music and so much art in general just gets baked in where it's like, be, you know, I was after this time by just a bit, but like Knight Rider, you know, I just accept that there's a show about that, about this guy talking to his car and going and solving a bunch of fun capers. But like, and I didn't even really watch it, but like, that's, if I was able to step back one step to where I didn't grow up, like knowing that show was around, I'd be like, the fuck are you talking about what do you yeah what do you mean he's got a robot in his car and they solve mysteries together and it's the guy from it's the teacher from boy meets world what the hell are you talking about you know and that's fascinating to me that just like mr feeney it's mr feeney look it up that was the name of my first car unironically was mr feeney (laughs) yes that's that's incredible and i didn't know what are the odds of that all right, I, I need to look something up here. <laughs> That's Ooh, amazing. I'm really into that. What is, I actually want, if there's any mathematicians listening, I actually want to know what are the odds of that. What? Okay, just so you guys know, Knight Rider stars David Hasselhoff. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, but the, the, no, 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 Mr. Mountain, Mr. Fiend. No, the, but the, the car, the, the car the is car. Voice, 
is, Kit, is William Kit. Daniels. Kit, Kit yes. is played by Mr. Feeney. I see. Okay. Yes, the voice of the voice I, of the. I feel much much more um, composed now. <laughs> I see now why you were like, I'm stopping the podcast and I'm Googling something because I feel like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks very different without, without the mustache. Yeah. Also, like, yeah. I don't remember that nose being so hooked. It's a state. It's a stately. That's a good nose. I love a. I love a statement nose. I wish I had a statement nose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what someone's getting for Christmas. <laughs> Am I getting a rhinoplasty? <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna get you a um someone else's plastic, statement nose, a plastic nose, a plastic you could put, nose. A, put over your nose. Oh, okay. Strangely enough, and I'll, I'll keep this brief, but the nose is a good expression of this same idea to me, where we all accept it. Yeah. Everyone's most people have one, and it's normal. Anytime I'm doing a character creator in a video game, and it's time to get to the nose now, I'm like, what the. F- what is happening? I feel like I'm a pod person, and I'm just figuring it out because I'm like, what does the nose look like? All of these look fake. None of these look appropriate. I can't oh, yeah. make a beautiful one. I can't make an ugly one. They all look insane to me. And it's like, I yeah, just no, accept I it too. until I don't, you know? Like, especially like if it's stylized, like stylized noses, I'm like, goodbye. Like, why is it just a straight line? Like, what? Like, yeah. What? Why is it an upside down U? I don't understand. Yeah. Like anime noses all do that. They all point up and we just accept it. And it's like, yeah, that's and I'm like, no, what a human like, being's nose looks like. Very few human beings' noses look like that. Yeah. My sister does have a ski slope nose though. So that's cool though. She's got a statement nose. She does. That kicks yeah, ass. I got a much more like straight, boring nose. You have no. The theme of the show is to take the W. You have a, a robust I do have a dependable robust. nose. It is. And ding. also you have a, a nose where you ding. My nostrils are differently <laughs> shaped. Oh yeah. 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 So are Jim's. He didn't he didn't know until I, I told him. Do you know if yours are symmetrical or not? I'm going to run screaming to the bathroom the second this show is over. Because <laughs> uh, that's a part of my body it never occurred to me could even be asymmetrical, but here we are. Oh yeah. My nostrils are very asymmetrical. Then I almost guarantee that. Mine must be. I, I'm not particularly symmetrical in the face region at all. Although I don't think very many people are. So most people aren't. Yeah. Like it, and it's normal. Most people's bodies aren't. There's most people have a longer limb by a little bit on one side. You know, mm-hmm. we we all know one boob is bigger than the other. Like it's, it's true. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's cool. It's it cool, cool to be. It's cool to be slanted. It is. It's cool to be weird. And that's all the time we have for topic lords. Oh, that's great because I'm tired. April, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I don't think I want. <laughs> and Ryan, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram and recently uh, TikTok talking about um, game audio and music making in general, and also talking about working in a creative field as a freelancer and in a healthy, uh, sustainable way. You can find me on those two places at Ryan Ike Audio, or just Google my name and uh, somehow through SEO magic that I had no hand in, I'm the guy who comes up if you type my name into Google. Awesome. I'll take it. Take the take the W, baby. Ding. I'm going to go Ding. listen to that weird song that you wrote. What the heck is the name of it? I don't know because I don't know which one you mean. So if you send me a link oh, to my it's own the, thing, I'd love to the, know. It's the one that's like... The Carmen Sandiego one. The Carmen Sandiego like weird oh, chamber music the, one. The Gregorian chant one. Yes, the Gregorian chant one. I remember you went through n- several iterations of names and I don't know what it ended up being. 
It's called, um, I know this exactly because uh, a comment I got haunts me on it. Uh, it's think on thine sins, gun shoes and uh, <laughs> gun shoes. And uh, so that's a really stupid name, but somebody commented, I normally don't care if someone says something contradictory or mean or critiques me on YouTube, like who gives a shit? It really doesn't bother me. Yeah. But somebody wrote, it should be think on thy sins. And that's that's haunted me the entire time. I'm like, it should be think on thy sins, not thine sins, but it's too late. And also, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? It's an amazing song. <laughs> but I think about that a lot, not in a way where I'm like ruined by it, but I'm just like, that person was right. It should be that. Some little Latin <laughs> grammar police is a... Uh... Yeah, don't give that person the W. No. Ding. Dong. <laughs> <laughs> dongs are dongs are for losers dings are for winners think online sins Ooh, that's the one that made me want to laugh and cry because that's the carmen san diego one so yeah yeah um yeah that was uh as as is always my favorite thing about working with um working with jim is i get to really exercise like what's the and i mean this in a nice way i value this i need to make that very clear what's the dumbest thing i could do here <laughs> <laughs> and just have like a really good time being like what's the absolute stupidest choice i can make right now and still make something i think is really fun and hopefully good yeah yeah uh, and that's a good time well it was good talking to you ryan it was lovely to see you too go to bed yeah thanks so much for being on yeah, thanks for having me yes thank you hi this is jim this is the audio i append to every episode of topic lords congratulations to our newly anointed lords this episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!